Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I want to talk to Joy Levy. Good afternoon to you, Joy. Hey, now. Hey, and before we start, condolences to you because I know it's coming up to the anniversary of your mother's passing. So, uh, my condolences to you and your family and your friends and everybody else who knew your mum as well. Thank a young woman, much. sixty-seven years of age, she'd be dead now a year in January. Yeah. And for, first of all, just tell us about your mum because I know you had mentioned that she was a great, strong-minded woman and a great role model for you and your family. Yeah, well, she had six girls and two boys. She's just very strong because we lost her dad when we were. Very young ourselves. So there was eight children for her to bring up on her own? Yes, uh, yeah, six girls and two boys. Yeah, that was that was tough, I can tell you, wasn't it? It takes a strong woman to do something like that, all right? It does indeed, yeah. Okay, and she was quite young. She's only 67 years of age, but in 2017, she was diagnosed with cancer. And yeah, all cancer. Yeah, and do you remember when that happened? I mean, well, I mean, how was she? Did she handle that well? Not too bad now, Niall, I have to say. Not too bad, but... And she, it was kindly coming through that when she could see you know, the mouth cancer wasn't too bad, like she was in pain and she was suffering, but it was mainly the colon cancer that really got to her. Okay, all right, okay. And and that would have required some level of surgery, I imagine, and yeah, uh, but, treatment. Yeah, yeah. Had, um, on the mouth, she had um, chemo and radiation, and on her colon, she had the operation. All right, okay. So so life became a little bit more difficult for her. And obviously, uh, yeah, her kids, I mean, yourself, what have you, uh, most of you are all grown up now at this stage. So well, how, yeah. how old is the youngest child? Um, 20, 20-something. I think he's 20, nearly 25. All right, so she had the, the whole parenting was the thing was yeah. done at, the, at yeah, that stage. Yeah, so she's so. seen our grandkids and our mm-hmm. great-grandkids. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure she was an amazing and wonderful granny. But okay, take us back to January, early January, of course, well, four days before that, before she passed away. And and you were basically led to bring her to A&E. I mean, what was the reason she ended up in A&E? Well, she, she hadn't been well for a couple of days before that because she was just getting a biopsy done on her mouth because her mouth was still a bit sore. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously she was bleeding after the biopsy and it was le- it was going into the stoma bag, but we thought she was bleeding from her colon. Okay. All right, as so, you would think that, of course. Yeah. yeah. So we got the D-Doc out that night um, and he looked at her straight away and he said, she's not a well woman. Yeah. Straight away, you need to get her to hospital. So me and my big sister, the eldest girl, Deirdre, we got an ambulance in that night and it turned out that there wasn't blood in the stomach bag that we were just panicking. But yeah. we ran tests and everything else and everything came back okay. But then we found out that it wasn't okay in okay. court today. Okay, this is in the coroner's court when they, when they, yeah. they gave you the, the reason as to why she passed away. Yeah. But the, the biggest problem for you was, here was a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer, was on had serious treatment, was in a lot of, uh, I suppose, distress in yeah, some and sense. Pain. Yeah. And, and she was left sitting in A&E for yeah. how long? Um, well, we got there at what, about 9 o'clock that night. I think we left about 4 o'clock that morning. Right, okay. So, shockingly, she was just left sitting on a trolley. Yes. And and at any stage, did you explain to, you know, triage or did you explain to any of the doctors yeah. and nurses that she was very distressed and that yeah. she, she was very yeah. ill? All that night. See, before this, my mum has been in and out of hospital because I don't mean to be bad, but the treatment that she got in the matter hospital after calling, she just went downhill. Like, she was just pushed aside, you know, that way. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I know, like, it's not the, the doctor's fault, but it's just after that, there was a catalogue of failures from when she got her call in. Now. She just let her down completely. 
Yeah, and I know they, they performed loads of tests on her. And the results yeah. kind of prompted a query around her liver function, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. So she had numerous problems at that stage. Yeah, but, but see, at that time, we didn't know about the liver failure. Yeah. At that night, they didn't tell us. They said that they ran a load of tests and all our tests came back clear. But we, she, once she, obviously, she wanted to sign herself out to go home. And they didn't tell us that they wanted to run more tests on our liver. Because we would, we would have kept her in the hospital all that night till, till the test came back. Yeah. But they never told you that? No, 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 no. They never told us that they wanted to run a liver test on her. And the, re- the reason, of course, that she was having probably liver problems was because, according to the coroner as well, that she had toxic levels of, you know, medication, tramadol and other medications in her system. Yeah, so yeah, that, or that, a morph. Yeah. yeah, so that would have caused, obviously, the liver function problems as well. And, and to see, because she lost so much weight, yeah. like, they didn't even put her in a feeding tube, do you know what I mean? After, like, they should have realised how thin she was actually getting. That she wasn't eating. They were the dietitian was telling them to take down like her weight, record her weight, and was she already eating solids and all, and she wasn't. So be, because of her oral cancer she, and the treatment that yeah. she had got, she couldn't eat. She physically yeah, couldn't eat. Yeah, exactly. And she was after having a biopsy because she was still in pain a week before we brought her into A and E. Oh my! It's just like a catalogue of problems, really, exactly. wasn't it? The, yeah, it was a catalogue of failures there. Yeah, and but the biggest part of it as well for you guys and and what was probably very traumatic was this whole experience of. You know, she was already extremely sick, very unwell. She was yeah. underweight. She had problems and she was very, very extremely sick yeah. by the sounds of things. And she's left lying on a trolley for six hours in A&E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I, and she was asking for painkillers that night. They were, they were giving her fizzy painkillers, which she couldn't take because her mouth was so sore. Mm-hmm. So there was no point giving her a painkiller if she can't take the painkiller because it's born in her mouth every time she takes them. I mean, look, we, we've spoken before on the show about A&E and, and the risk to people, particularly people who are very, very sick. So, and they sent her home anyway. Um, you were sent home and you didn't know about the liver function problems at that stage. Yeah. And what happened over the next three days? Did she just went downhill? She just got worse? Yeah. Was yeah. She just was hallucinating. She, I think she actually slept for three days after we brought her home. Okay. Just in and out of sleep. She, was, she wasn't herself. She was hallucinating. And then you can imagine what are not eating and not drinking what she was actually going through. Because mm. I remember my sister made her a smoothie that night to see could she get down it. And when I went out to her at five o'clock that morning, she was she was puking up everywhere. Right, okay. So she just couldn't keep anything down at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because her body was kind of giving in, I suppose. Giving in, exactly, yeah. And, and she passed away peacefully, I hope, um, four days later after she got home from A&E. And since then, I mean, obviously the coroner's report has come back now to say that the cause of death was a cardiorespiratory arrest due to multi-drug toxicity, uh, which yeah. is essentially to do with her liver. Um, yeah. And uh, do you accept that answer? Or do you accept what the, what the coroner no. said? No, because the Mater Hospital told us that she had a, a, congestic, a genetic heart condition. Mm-hmm. And then we all went to get checked for it and it came back that none of us ever had it. And my mum my mom hadn't got it, so... It was just a bit confusing because they're saying it was Mrs. Entrist, but yet the hospital told us that she had a genetic heart condition. Right, okay. So so you don't accept the, the, the coroner's hit. And, and apart from anything else, you believe that the, that when you brought her into A&E that they should have been more observant in relation to her kidney. Exactly. Uh, and they should have made you aware of that. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, I know the at the time the consultant emergency medicine uh, for medicine at the Matter Hospital, Dr. Thomas Breslin said overcrowding conditions were not unusual. He said overcrowded conditions bring a higher risk of dying, and every nurse and doctor knows this is a massive problem for patients and it affects their care and their outcomes. Well, certainly it did affect your outcome, and he said he reviewed your mum's case and details and there were questions we didn't know the answer to and that yeah. we would have been uh, the reason for keeping her in the department. That being said, you can understand why there is no clear issue a person would decide to leave. Exactly. She, we wouldn't have let her leave if we hadn't known that they wanted to run a liver test on her. There's no way we would have let her leave. Mm-hmm. Because, you, because basically she was putting her life in her hands leaving. Exactly. And what, what, what got to us is because when she got her cancer, she said she wasn't ready to pass. Yeah, you know what I mean. So she fought through that, and then but she's a young, but she's a young woman. You know, she's still exactly. a young woman. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, to get through all that, and then to die of something so stupid. Yeah, and I'm I'm really sorry. I know it's upsetting for you to even talk about it. I know she's she's literally only she's not even a year gone yeah. yet. So it's very and it's more difficult for the family now coming up to Christmas. I suppose this will be your first Christmas without your mum. And mm-hmm. for all the grandkids and all the all the children, it must be very difficult because you have a big family, a big family. Yeah, very big. Yeah, yes. fourteen grandkids. And what, what was what was Christmas normally like? Was it all over to your mum's house or? Oh what? yeah, every year over to mum's house, she'd make the dinner. Grandkids yeah. would be around. Yeah, I'd say that yeah, was a full yeah. house, was it? Oh yeah, very full. Yeah, and there was probably two sittings at the table for that one with the kids sitting outside on sofas yeah, or kids something, sitting on the stairs, <laughs> eating a bit of dinner. Yeah. I, I mean, I think our, our moms traditionally know how to make a Christmas happen yeah, and, and yeah. I understand how that's difficult that's going to be for you <laughs> and, I, and I do understand obviously her first anniversary is coming up and that's going to be even more difficult for you again yeah. so what's, what's the next step firstly you're, you're disgusted with the fact that you don't believe that you were given enough information before she signed herself out of the hospital but also no. the very fact that she was left sitting on the trolley for six hours with a woman that was in great pain and obviously extremely sick uh, you're not happy with that situation so what's, what's yeah, the next and step the, for the, the family treatment, the treatment the swell that she got through the cancer from the matter hospital it was just it wasn't right and, and, and do you reckon it was the treatment from the amount of, you know, the, the lack of appointments or the lack of yeah. care? Yeah. Or, or was she it the doctors a, and nurses themselves? Well, she had a stoma bag put on it and she only had, she only seen a stoma care nurse twice. Right, okay. So I she, had to do everything. Like, and I, I'm not a trained nurse. Right, okay, okay. I get you, yeah. So you weren't, you weren't shown how to do it properly or no, you were given very no. basic level of training? Like, in it. when my mum was in the ward, the nurse came in, showed me other sister how to do it on the left. And then I had to, like, my sister had to train me, like, show me how to do everything. Right, okay. And so was, there a, no. was there a meeting calls maybe with the family and a doctor to go through everything with you and explain everything to you? After my mum passed? No, this is before, before your, when your mum was sick in hospital. Was there a meeting, you know, with the whole family about, call with the doctor? Just about, yeah, just about, no, no, nothing like that, no. Okay, all right. No, because obviously, obviously, with her going home at the time when she was having her treatment and everything else, yeah. that there, you know, there would have had to be some sort of intervention for the family. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were asked, us, would we be able for it? Yeah, of course, yeah. we're going to do it, dear mother. You know yeah, that. Of way? course, yeah. Yeah, but like we've no training, we've no qualifications or anything like that. Like my mum's bag would leak like probably every night at like five o'clock in the morning, and okay. I'd have to go up and go over and do it. You know that way. Right. Okay. And was there anybody still living with your, with your mum at that stage? Yeah, or? my brother. My okay. brother lived with her. Okay, but the girls and what have you would pop over as well. Yeah, yeah. well, see, because I was a carer. Right, okay. So, that's all. I mean, she, was, she, was, she wouldn't let the boys do anything. It'd be more the girls. Well, of course, it's to look her dignity apart from anything exactly, else. Yeah, yeah, of course, I yeah. understand that. And did you live near her? Well, I, li- I just, yeah, lived through 10 minutes cross road. All right, okay, well, that's really handy then for her, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, look, I'm sure she was delighted to have you around, uh, you know, for those final few months to help her out, yeah. you yeah. know, and I, there's nothing we can do, unfortunately, to ever bring her back. But what's the next step for the family now? What are, you, what are you going to do now? 
well, we don't really know what to do now. It's just, mm-hmm. it was just a shock that day. I think we're just starting to kind of realise that. Yeah, process all the information. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're certainly not happy with the, the coroner's. No, and And no. I, I'm not too familiar with that, but similar to an, an ordinary court, the coroner's court. Can you then appeal that or can you go back I and say... I don't really know. I don't really know. I think I'm just going to have a look in to see what we can do about it. Mm-hmm. And then probably try and just follow up what we can do and find out if there's more stuff we can do about it. Well, look, it opens up a lot of questions. A, about the type of care that we give people. B, how we deal with people when they're allowed to go home and how what care, yeah. aftercare... But also the biggest yeah. part of this as well is four days before she passed away mm-hmm. that she sent off mainly after being lying there in a trolley for six hours and a very for sick woman, hours. which is, is yeah. shocking. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, in any in any country, in any civilised country, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. But listen, thank you very much for drawing attention to it. And I think, you know, hopefully people are listening and maybe more can be done to, to help Please, people like yeah. your mum in the future. All right. That's and I, great, and I wish you all. And look, I know it's going to be not going to be an easy Christmas for you. But I'm sure yeah. your mum will be looking down at you, making sure that you don't burn the turkey, all right? <laughs> yeah, she will. <laughs> all right, listen, thank you very much indeed, Thank you Joy, very much, right. Niall, okay? Thanks. Bye, Thanks. bye. All right, um, that's a shocking story, a very sad story. That is a young woman, 67 years of age, Elizabeth Levy. Uh, she passes away uh, because she's, well, look, it wasn't the hospital's fault as such that she died because she was left in the trolley for six hours. But when somebody is, you know, sadly at the end of life, and obviously the family don't accept the coroner's report and that's their business if they don't want to accept that. And I'm sure there is some sort of uh, legal recourse for them to look at that. But when somebody's at end of life or close to end of life or extremely sick, we don't treat them by leaving them on a trolley for six hours in A&E. You know, when they're that close to end of life, that is just what sort of a country are we living in that we accept that, that people can accept that. It's absolutely shocking and it's disgusting. And you know what? We should be ashamed of ourselves. We really should be ashamed of ourselves. I could make the argument that I give out about everybody during the week. We're talking about the whitewater rafting down at Spencer Dockhead that we're going to spend 30 million on. So we can spend 30 million on something like that, but we can leave a woman for six hours in A&E. Now, I'm not suggesting it's about money. It's about priorities, isn't it? And how we can, how we just, I've spoken about this so many times over the last four weeks, particularly when I told you that I was in the Ulster in Belfast on a couple of occasions already, which was packed and I can be in and out an hour and a half max. How can we not get this right? How can the Minister for Health not get this right? I know it's not directly Simon Harris's fault because every Minister for Health has had the same problem, right? So it's not directly, but he's the man. It's his job at the moment, so he is responsible. And I believe if he can't fix this problem or if any Minister for Health cannot get the target down, the target time. And I heard somebody um, from the patient advocacy group on one of the radio stations there during the week, you know, they were talking about somebody who had been in A&E for 16 or 17 hours, which is, by the way, not unusual in this country, saying that, oh, well, yeah, we fell short of our target of six hours. Target of six hours? In a modern country, we have a target in A&E of six hours. Somebody could be dead in six hours. Six hours is unacceptable. The target should be an hour. And sure, if we fall short and hit two hours, well, that's a problem. We should be dealing with that. But to think that people are lying, dying, elderly people. One woman there recently, an 82-year-old, lying in her own urine for nine hours. We should be ashamed of ourselves. What country allows that to happen? What modern country? There's third world countries that do a better health service than we have. We're a rich country. You might think it sometimes, but we have money. 
we fall short every now and again on different things and the way we supply things to people and the way we provide. We can't wave magic wands sometimes to build lots of houses to get rid of a crisis because you've got a growing population. I understand all that. But what modern, civilised country thinks it's acceptable for a dying woman to lie in a trolley for six hours, thinks it's acceptable for an 82-year-old to lie in her own urine for nine hours, thinks it's acceptable to set a target time for accident and emergency in the main hospitals in, con- in this country for six hours. What country thinks that's acceptable? Simon Harris needs to fix this. It's his job at the moment. He's not personally responsible, but he is responsible as Minister for Health. And if he can't fix it, he should resign. And leave it to somebody who might be able to fix it. It's not the doctors and nurses' fault, generally speaking, although there are some wasters there. Most of them do a hard day's work. There's a lot of people walking around in A&E holding bits of paper in their hand. I don't know what they're doing. It's management at the top. It's badly run. The system is badly run. It needs to be fixed. And if you can't do it, get a Minister for Health who can do it. Resign. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.